There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Bring, bring it bring it to the bank. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hey, I'm Jay. I'm from the Eagles Beak, a Palace fan site. You can get us on Twitter at the Eagles Beak, and we're also on Facebook and also Instagram. I'm also a producer and co-host of the Meridian Sports Show, which you can get. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the Meridian SS. And that's it. It's just me and Jay today, much like the matches today, uh, <laughs> affected by weather. Um, but absolutely a pleasure for, for you to be able to join me at least today. And sorry to everybody that tried to make it to matches that didn't make it or to matches that ended up not happening anyway. Um, we won't get into that too much. I just wanted to address, since I'm a Tottenham supporter, I imagine somebody will bring up that Spurs fans have been like tossing around a lot of really weird conspiracy theories about like... <laughs> Burnley not turning on their uh, undersoil pitch heating and all this stuff. And I, I really wish I remember who tweeted it. But somebody said, uh, just a reminder that undersoil heating helps thaw the ground. It doesn't melt snow. You're thinking of fire. <laughs> and I felt like that was a really good way to summarize that situation. It is obviously terrible for the fan-going experience for people that did travel mm. to try to make it. But for those that think it's a conspiracy by Sean Dyche because Tarkovsky was out and that this grand plan was to allow Tottenham to get two-plus months under Conte before playing them and get Romero back and get a transfer window, uh, I think might be a little short-sighted. I don't really know if that would have been in their best interest. Uh, we'll leave that there, though. And, uh, Jay, we've been apologizing for, like, maybe the last two months straight of shows about talking about managers all the time. Hopefully, we've had our last one. Not official yet, but Ralph Ragnick seems as though he's about to take the Manchester United mm. job. Uh, and I was just curious your thoughts on this. Uh, what do you make of the, the appointment, the fact that it's in an interim position with a consultancy deal for later two years? Just curious your thoughts on the whole thing. Yeah, I, I mean, when I first heard about it, I find it quite odd that they're looking for an interim manager at the end of the season. I mean, you, know, you, you almost kind of think, well, maybe Mark Carrick could be the guy that season through to end of the season, there's just a stopgap if you're, if that's what you're looking for. Uh, but obviously, there's a bigger picture here with Ralph uh, Ragnick. Obviously, he's at Lokomotiv Moscow. He's very he's very well thought after in the world of football if people don't know he's uh, he, he's got uh, he's got good pedigree and i think there's there's a lot of talk around him potentially being the director of football at at united you know once the summer comes around and he's done this stint uh what for six months it's going to be pretty much once he once he takes over if, if he does mm. actually come but it, it seems like it's going to be um it's going to be the way that uh, it's going to work out so i i'm very intrigued actually i mean you know united have been you know a, a circus this season haven't they really uh with ollie uh gonna Solskjaer. seemingly it's an odd one because i think you know, with some of the names they brought in, you know, Ronaldo and Sancho and that, he, he, he seems to have struggled with his team more so this season than any other. Um, personally, I didn't think he'd last until Christmas when he first got the job. So he's done far better than I uh, ever expected him to and probably for a, for a lot of fans outside. But in your defence, nice. you didn't clarify which Christmas. This is true. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. No, exactly right. Um, but I, I'm, in, I'm intrigued by this appointment and, and how it's going to work out. Obviously, there's some planning gone on. It, it's It's kind of... It's kind of come out of left field, I think, a little bit, you know, in terms of what United's plan would be once they got rid of Oli after that disastrous result of Vicarage Road. Something had to be done. But, yeah, I, 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 it always fascinates me how things happen behind the scenes because, as we've seen with other managers so far this season, you know, it's been a case of, I mean, I'm dipping out of the Premier League at the moment, I was fascinated by Sheffield United ditching their manager and within 
minutes of them announcing it on social media that uh, their manager had gone Yukanovich, they've uh, they've appointed uh, Heckingbottom within <laughs> you know in a space of minutes from announcing uh, Yukanovich has gone. So you know I find all that kind of thing what happens behind the scenes really interesting and um, and this one for sure has has got a, meat, a bit of meat to the bones to, to be honest in terms of United and uh, and bringing this guy in. Um, yeah, he knows his stuff. He's got he's got pedigree and. I, I'm I'm interested to see how he's going to do with with this with this group of players where obviously Oli has failed so far. Um, the signs have been quite good under Carrick, by the look, you know, but the way things working out as we're talking now, Chelsea are playing United, United are uh, where it's one one all at Stamford Bridge at the moment. So I'm just watching that as we're as we're recording, but um, uh, they look a much better outfit under Carrick. Um, to be honest, you know, they 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 got a good result in Europe in the week and. Maybe a bit of a new manager bounce, new manager ideas, that kind of thing. But uh, Carrick's been at United for a while. He's, uh, you know, he's been under uh, Ollie's wing for, you know, since Ollie's been there. But um, yeah, it's it's intriguing for sure, and going to watch it with interest how United kind of uh, uh, play um, and their style and that sort of thing as the season as the season progresses. Yeah, it's a good good point on the new manager bounce. This match has not been the most aesthetically pleasing for Manchester United, but that isn't part of the new manager bounce. It isn't that no. you'll instantaneously play better, it's that you'll start mm. getting results. And if it's if it holds, as you say, at 1-1 with Chelsea, that's a very good result. And as you mentioned, mm. getting the win uh, midweek <laughs> was mm. uh, potentially not what would have happened if, mm. if Ole yeah. was still there. And yeah. that was kind of the attitude. Um, <clears throat> you already mentioned that, that this is kind of a short-term gig. Uh, for him, yeah, and it's I'm, I am curious to see if his consultancy role is director of football or if he's just going to be in the ears of the Glazers or something like that. But uh, it'll be his job after the managerial job is his job to find the person that's going to follow him. Uh, obviously, they've taken some big swings. They were trying to get in Conte before they beat us, and then we got Conte, and now they're dealing with this whole situation. So never enjoyed a three 0 defeat more in my life. Uh, after the fact <laughs> um, but uh, obviously they tried for Poch but PSG don't want to let him go although he might be available in the summer if they don't win everything mm. because people think having four of the best attacking players in the world makes up for uh, nobody trying to track back ever <laughs> um, this isn't FIFA just fun fact um, so maybe maybe Poch they tried to sound out Zidane but it sounds like he's probably going to wind up in France either at PSG or taking the national team job post World Cup uh, but uh, you know those names anybody else that you think that they should in particular try to get to launch whatever the next iteration of Manchester United is it's intriguing isn't it because you know United you'd expect them to be looking for uh, a big name you know, there's nobody out there at the moment is there I mean Conte is obviously the last name but uh, you guys snapped him up and I thought he would have been a good fit at United I thought mm. perhaps as a United fan I would have not that I'm a United fan but as a United fan I think I'd be a bit disappointed that United didn't pull the trigger sooner and went to get Conte because I thought he would have been a good fit. He's a good fit at Spurs. I think he'll, I think he'll do okay at Spurs. To be quite honest, after his stint at Chelsea, you know he knows the Premier League. He did well at Chelsea. Um, he's got a lot to sort out at, at Spurs, obviously, but I, I think he'll do a good job elsewhere. I mean, this, this guy's going to come in and steady the ship. Clearly, <clears throat> whether he's going to get them to finish top four, I mean, that's. That, that's a tough, that's a tough call, isn't it? But um, you know, there's a few names out there. You would expect United to go for a big name, but you know, mentioned Pochettino there. I think it depends on how this season goes for for Poch, really, isn't it? Because he didn't win the league with PSG last season. I mean, this is in France, where it's very top heavy in terms of you know PSG generally do win the league, and, and they failed to do it last season in, in his first season. You know, he now has Messi at his disposal. He has an incredible team of, of talent there, or squad of uh, talent. But it depends how he's going to last at PSG. Does he think, mm, it's going to be difficult this season? Do I jump ship and go to United and go to Premier League that I know pretty well after managing Spurs? He could be that big name. Um, but it depends if, you know, United are going to do that. They could go down the other route. Um, you know, somebody like Lucien Favre, um, very experienced manager, uh, previously at Dortmund. He's... He was interested in the Palace job, actually, in the summer. Had talks with Palace, but felt that it wasn't the right time for him to come back into football. You know, he well he could well do a decent job at United because he brought through a lot of youth into the Dortmund side. He did he did well as a Dortmund boss. 
uh, in the Bundesliga. So, you know, he's got a lot of experience. And again, he's another highly rated coach out there in, you know, across Europe. You know, could he come to the Premier League and, you know, for the first time and actually, uh, you know, do something with this United side who, you know, let's face it, it's a good squad of players. You know, there's a few tweaks that need to be done to it. But I think, you know, um, Solskjaer ultimately failed with tactics and, and managing the team properly. I think the other big name out there is Brendan Rodgers. Um, could he be tempted from the Leicester job? You know, he's got a nice Christian number at Leicester at the moment. I think there's quite a bit of compensation involved in that one if it went down that route. Um, but yeah, there's, I mean, there's a few names there. Um, Zinedine Zidane was mentioned as well, but I, personally, I don't. I think Zinedine Zidane's come out and said it's not really, um, you know, well, not really for him. I, I personally, I think he'd end up at PSG at one point. I think that'd be the only place he would go. But you know, whether he would think of another job after after Real Madrid, he just, you know, he he was a massive fit for that. Personally, I think it would be, I think it would be uh, an interesting move to go for the Ajax head coach Eric Ten Hag. I think that is yeah, and kind of do like a rebuild almost. Uh, well, I you know I, I I kind of think that you know with with with, uh, with Ralph taking you know if it is true that he's actually going to be there for the six months to the end of this season and step you know take a take a walk upstairs uh, you know afterwards and have this role then you know he could work well with you know this this Ajax head coach who's who's done very well uh, you know could he could he come to the Premier League and um, you know bring that Ajax. Dutch football influence, you know, across with him, it wouldn't surprise me. I think that would be a very interesting uh, appointment, and I, that that's the one I would favour as a if I was a United fan. You know, it's, it's a gamble for sure because um, he's not managed in the Premier League before, but you know, we've seen we've seen managers come across and, and do well. So I think he could, uh, you know, he could bring across his total football ideas and that kind of thing. He's a very He's a very good coach in the, you know, in, in similar mould of, of previous Ajax managers, but I, I, you know, I think he's got his own ideas and he's, you know, he's doing a great job. I mean, you know, I think he's he's got a striker there at uh, at Ajax that uh, couldn't score in the Premier League at West Ham and is now banging in the goals, hat tricks mm. in the in the Champions League for, for Ajax. Let's face it. So, you know, there's something about him. Um, elsewhere, maybe Luis Enrique. You know, could could you know could he be somebody? Um, but also, you know, you got, I. I would love to see Diego Simeone come to the Premier League and see if he can uh, if he can do a job. Could he fit United? Maybe, maybe also, so. Could isn't he be he like heinously the most expensive manager in football? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, could he? I, I don't personally. I don't think he could be tempted from Atletico Madrid. To be quite honest with you. Um, but I, I'd love to see him in the Premier League. He's somebody I'd like to see him come over and see what he could do in the Premier League. And uh, after doing so well with Atletico, to be quite honest. But um, I personally, I would favour the Ajax head coach, Ten Hag. I think that would be a nice move with with uh, this this Ralph guy heading upstairs. I think that would be a quite a decent combination. And I think it will make a lot of sense. A lot of sense if that sounds, you know, if that, if yeah. that sounds right. Yeah, if they tried to replicate the Ajax model, because I think that's that's the stick that a lot of people choose to be Ten Hag with is that obviously the Ajax mm. system works mm. Um, mm. all the way from the boardroom to the director of football to the manager to, to yeah. the scouting department to the youth academy. Yeah. It's like a, a fully developed entity. Um, yeah. And if you could replicate that in world football, I think you find loads of success. I think a lot of people mm. question how much of the managerial success comes to the fact that Ajax are you know, the richest and most successful side in, in the Netherlands and have been for some mm. while. Uh, so you see your your managers like uh, when I was <laughs> so sure I wanted uh, De Boer <laughs> uh, yeah. instead of Pochettino. Oh, don't. Oh, don't. And yeah, I know. I'm very sorry. But uh, I, I, I think it's... <laughs> and I'm very sorry for that. I don't know to what, to like seven matches. But... Um... Uh, yeah, four. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah i agree I, I think ten hog is more than just a system manager but i, I mm. think that that might be something that people would be worried about and this is a squad that's very heavily in their prime or young there aren't that mm. many players older than 30 there's ronaldo mm. and cavani obviously mm. uh de gea but keepers can can last forever and you have dean henderson waiting mm. to take that job as soon as he's back in fit um then mata and matic and that's basically oh, and Phil Jones is still technically there. So that's that's your players <laughs> above thirty. So yeah. you know yeah. that's not a lot of them. You, you have yeah. a lot of players in their mid twenties, some early twenties here as they mm. kind of go for this young England core as well. So mm. um, 
Yeah, I, I think it would be interesting to get in a new manager that would instill a new style because it, mm. it's kind of felt like we're just like still sipping off the dregs of Sir Alex. And oh, it, it would sure. be interesting to see what the next generation looks like. Yeah, I think you hit an nail on the head there because I think you know both United and Arsenal have struggled in that respect. You know, having such a successful yeah. manager for over a long period of time. Um, you know, Fer- Fergie saw the time to go, and it, it, you know he knew it would be difficult to rebuild. And and they've never they've never looked anything close to what they were since he left. Let's face it. I mean, yes, they've had they've had their successes um, minimally. You know, FA Cup and. Um, they won the Europa League as well, didn't they? But finished yeah, second w- w- twice, I think. One under Mourinho, finished second one twice, year. but 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 all of that that that's over a, a period of time since Fergie left, and we're, we're talking a, quite a few years now, and that's not good enough for United, is it? Let's face it. You know, finishing second, that's not what they want. You know, they won't remember that. They haven't won the Premier League for goodness knows how long now. So I, I think I think there's a bigger problem at United with like a disconnect throughout the club. So like you mentioned, there is that you know. If this guy, if the rumor is that this guy is going to come in and move upstairs and be that connection, bring in somebody like Ten Hag, who can bring in that kind of Ajax idea and and actually not renovate the club because I don't think it needs a lot because you know you, you've got a lot of you know youth sides and good players and they've got the facilities and the setup right. It's just actually getting everybody working in the right direction without all of the aggro outside of it. You know, it just seems to be. Um, you know, a massive disconnect throughout the club. Maybe I'm wrong, but this is just from looking looking in from the outside, really, from a, a non-United fan perspective. And I think, you know, they just need to be, you know, pulling in the right direction. And, you know, somebody with no ideas to, to bring in throughout the club and with the support of, like, this this guy uh, as, as, a, as a football director, whichever, you know, director of football, whichever it's going to be, then um, I, it, it could well work. But, you know, it needs to be given time if that's the case, you know. Um, but you know, <laughs> nobody has time in football. We know that. Yeah. You know, this is a this is a completely different world, football, to anything else that we know outside of football. So, you know, I think when you think about, I mentioned there, you know, Arsene Wenger at Arsenal and Fergie at United, they're very similar in that respect because they've not really, they've not really come out of that that period they've not really recovered from from that in that actually you know they've got to find somebody else you know from that long long successful period and that you know their successes spanned you know a long period of time when football was evolving all that time as well so football's evolved so much now that it's very different you know it would be interesting to kind of if it you know if there was a way of actually, you know, seeing if Ferg- Alex Ferguson could manage in today's football, you know, same as Arsene Wenger or some of these older managers, because, you know, things have changed in, in you know, such a lot in that space of time. But I think both of these two clubs are in a similar similar place in that they they found it really difficult to come out of that successful era of a successful manager. And it's proved to be so difficult. You know, you've had big names come to United and go, you know, Mourinho, um, you know, the, the Dutch guy, Louis van Gaal, and, oh, you know, you've yeah. had, yeah, you've had people come and go, and and these are successful coaches in their own right, not been able to do anything with the club. So there's there's got to be something else there that needs changing. So you know maybe a clearer deck. And I don't mean players. I mean just bring in new ideas. You know somebody different, somebody new. Don't always go for a big name. Give somebody a you know give somebody like Ten Hag a go. You know Ajax head coach is doing a great job over there. Whether he'd leave and go to United, but let's face it, United's a big pull, isn't it, for anybody? You know, it doesn't matter who you are. If United are interested, you're going to listen, aren't you? So yeah, even if you're in the Europa League, which is possible, but it, it'll time yeah. will tell if, if Ragnik is able to kind of cobble together this talent that they have and, and have them exactly. pushing the same direction yeah. towards that top four spot. Okay, that's it. We're not talking about managerial situations anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Formally retiring from that business. Um, <laughs> next up, I wanted to talk a little bit about Newcastle. So uh, I don't know if you've seen uh, Jake's tweets. Obviously, Jake. Uh, Jackman comes on all the time and, and hosts for mm. me very kindly uh, when I have other engagements. But uh, Newcastle were outside of the relegation zone when the the news broke that they were about to be taken over by the Saudi consortium. Uh, since then, three draws, no wins, several losses. <laughs> uh, now currently bottom of the table, three points adrift. This must be very shocking considering the celebrations that happened in the streets when when they were bought out and when they got to say goodbye to um, the ownership and to the old manager and stuff like that. But I was just curious, 
Do you think they're like genuinely in relegation trouble, or do you think this is just another thing where they'll just be able to outspend people the the way City did their first year? Um, I don't think they're a good side. I I, I think you know, let's face facts here. You know, they they've been in a position they have been for the last few seasons for for one reason, and you know they've got one or two really good players that you know could be poached by um, you know other teams. But you know, when when you look at that side. They struggle to get results. You know, they, they 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 really do. I'm I'm intrigued to see what happens with Eddie Howe. I mean, I'm surprised by Eddie Howe appointment. Really, I know, I know he's got experience in the Premier League, but this this smacks of a appointment just to try and keep them up this season. You know, um, it, you'd have thought that with all the money they're bringing in, they'd have gone. Um, for some, but maybe they just could get. You don't know behind closed doors, do you? Whether you, they could get the interest with somebody with the situation, the, the position in the table they're in, which is a very, very precarious one for a team that have a lot of money. Can they buy the way out of it? I, I mean, January, they're, they're, it, that's going to be interesting, isn't it? January is going to be whether they're going to throw money around, you know, to to try and uh, you know keep their Premier League status for the season. You know, there's obviously plenty of time you know, between January and the end of the season. But they can't be in too bad a position when they get to that point. Like you mentioned, they're bottom of the table at the moment. They're starting to be cut adrift from, you know, fourth bottom. So, yeah, something's got to uh, got to happen and quite quickly for them at the moment. And it remains to be seen whether they're going to, you know, splash the cash around. But, you know, this is a side that everybody knows has money. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy for them to do deals with other Premier League sides. You know, that's a fact. It was well publicised the meeting that the Premier League chairman and the Premier League had about the uh, takeover. I'm not going to go into any more detail because I'm sure it's been talked about enough on this podcast already. Um, but there's a lot of annoyance, anger at the uh, takeover being allowed to happen. So, you know, a lot of these Premier clubs, Premier League clubs and chairmen are going to be very difficult to deal with if they're going to be looking to bring players in, you know, try and buy players from other Premier League sides. It's going to be very difficult for Newcastle. So I suspect they'll be having to look, you know, overseas to bring in players in January. Is Eddie Howe a big enough name to actually attract the calibre of players? You know, a lot a lot of names that have been linked with your Newcastle. Is it just going to be a money thing? I don't care who's managing. They're going to come to Newcastle and, you know, fill them up. But it's, there's so many questions out there at the moment. It's still early days with the whole um, ownership situation. But I think Newcastle got a struggle on their hands in more ways than one between now and the end of the season. Um, so again, it's an intriguing situation to see a club in um, rather, rather looking at it, from the outside looking in personally, I'd not want to be a Newcastle fan at the moment. There's so many question marks about so many different things at the club. Um, you kind of almost think, I hate the saying because I hear it quite often, but careful what you wish for as a fan because, yeah, I, I, I get the whole Mike Ashley situation, but Newcastle hadn't done that badly. And, you know, as Mike, maybe that's, maybe that's going to annoy Newcastle fans. Um, by by me saying that, yeah, I, I completely understand their uh, frustration by him. But, you know, he spent how much on Joe Linton? 40, 47 million, was it, on Joe yeah, Linton? You can't say they didn't spend, they just spent poorly. Yeah, well, yeah, but, you know, is that Mike Ash's fault or the management that's been in place and stuff? You know, I, you know, you, again, that's more questions, isn't it? But, um, yeah, I think Newcastle are in trouble, you know, on, in, in more, more ways than one. I think they'll... they'll really struggle in January to bring players in of the calibre they need to try and get them out. But obviously, you know, they've got to, um, you know, they need players to come in and hit the ground running, you know, because I can't see them get being in a much more different position than they are now come January, come 1st of January. So, yeah, it's, uh, it, I think it'll be a worry as a Newcastle fan, you know, after all the joy of the change of ownership and, Ended up being well, they're the richest club in the world now. Effectively, with this, with this uh, with this takeover, you know, all, all the joy of that happening. Um, realistically, they're, they're they're facing a battle in the Premier League this season to stay up, um, and it's going to be it's going to be tough. I'm pretty sure it's going to be tough. So, mm. um, yeah, it's it's going to be yeah. Again, it's going to be an interesting one watching watching how they progress between now and the end of the season. Eddie has got a massive job on his hands. He really has. Yeah, it's going to be a tough one. And as you said, some clubs probably won't want to try to sell. I know, you know, the, the big rumor has been Tarkovsky from Burnley in January. Um, mm. But 
Jamie is pretty adamant that uh, <laughs> that's not going to happen, even though he's available on a free in the summer. So, mm. you know, if if you're struggling to get in players like Tarkovsky, no, no, nothing about no comment on his ability. Just I'm sure, you know, w- when like Sky was doing players that they could sign and it's like oh, Neymar and stuff yeah. like that. If, if they're going to struggle getting a player like uh, Tarkovsky in, in January, it could be a pretty tough one for them indeed with that being a player in league that is on a free in the summer. If you can't get deals like that done, mm. yeah, you might you might not be able to buy your way out in January. Mm. And that's e- and e- even if you are able to buy out the players, are they able to settle in time? Are they able to settle in-house system in time? They don't have a director yeah. of football right now. So is it going to be like Bur- Bournemouth all over again where they just bought random Liverpool players? Mm. And that mm. didn't work out particularly well. Although admittedly, Newcastle's plan was to buy a former Bournemouth players. So, maybe, mm, yeah, maybe exactly. Something to yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I think there's a huge reluctance for teams to to, to sell players to them, or, or there will be in January. I, I really think that's that's the truth, unless they overspend. <laughs> do, you, do you know what I mean? I think yeah. I, I, certainly Premier League um, clubs are going to be reluctant to uh, uh, to sell players to them for sure, even if they are splashing the cash. I think it's. Uh, there's a lot of angst out there at the moment because of the takeover and that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's it's another interesting one, isn't it? There's a lot of interesting scenarios in the Premier League at the moment, and, and we've just named two of them for sure. So going to watch that, that with interest, and I'm just glad I'm not a Newcastle fan at the moment because I'd be worried. Yep, uh, and uh, not to speak for Jake, but he tweeted this publicly, so I'm just going to steal from him. Uh, his call is that Rafa Benitez will be Newcastle's manager in the championship next season. So that's that's where he's at with that right now. Well, um, that's that's interesting in itself, isn't it? Let's right. It. Mm. But if Rafa yeah. gets sacked, we're not talking about it. I can't talk <laughs> about any more managers going or mm. who their replacements will be. <laughs> enough is enough. Yep. If the Premier League in general is listening, please chill. Um, <laughs> anyway, we'll leave that there. And then I wanted to talk about about some players a little bit. So. I was looking through some stats this week, as I tend to do, and realized that of the four highest goal scorers in the Premier League, three of them play for Liverpool in Salah, Mane, and Jota. All three are top seven in shots on target as well. So it just backs that up a little bit more, that they aren't really fluky. That's mm. pretty likely that that's where their goals would be coming from. Uh, as people remember, last year, pretty disappointing for them. Finished third, and a very distant uh, third when it came to... Uh, their goals scored, I think they were on 68, which ended up being, you know, fair fair way short of Manchester City, who had 83 on the season. Obviously also pretty distant when it came to that title race as well. Uh, we know these players are good, though, but are you surprised that it's something like three of the top four are from Liverpool, especially after a year where the attack wasn't working as well? Um, I mean, when you say their names, you know, Salah, Salah Mane and Jota. I mean, Jota's kind of filled in where Firmino was really, isn't he, with his goal scoring? And I think Jota's a uh, more of a more of a poacher than Firmino is, isn't he? Uh, let's face it. So no, I'm not surprised because this is the way Liverpool play football. This is how they won the title, isn't it? Uh, the year before last. So you know they're kind of back to their old selves in a way. I think last season was always going to be tough to live up to that title winning season with all the emotion around Liverpool winning their first title for goodness knows how long. I think that was a huge thing for them. And it was always going to be tough, and and City were always going to be a tough match for them last season. Uh, you know, after taking their title as they saw it. So, yeah, I I'm not surprised because the way Liverpool play, you know, they play open, expansive football, and you know, they just take advantage of teams that are just not at the races in games, as we saw against Southampton yesterday. You know, that 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 is how Liverpool play, and if you're not if you're not tight for the first 20 minutes and you let in an early goal, then you're you're up against it against Liverpool. You really are because they just go for the jugular, don't they? You know, when they start scoring the goals, as, as we've seen so many times, you know, they are a side that just take advantage. Um, you can't say City are the same. You know, they get through 2-1, two, two, you know, 2-0 wins, that kind of thing. They're, they're not as... Um, they don't do demolition jobs like Liverpool do. You know, Liverpool are that side, and they have been that side for two or three seasons now, maybe more. You know, with the likes of Salah and Mane, particularly, but now Jota stepping up as well. I mean, Jota was a great player at Wolves anyway, and mm. you know, he's got he's got the he's got the big move to Liverpool. 
Um, he's had a few injuries, but he's, you know, I mean, he should have had a hat trick yesterday for sure. Probably four, four or five goals himself were the chances he had. So I, I'm not surprised. I think this is Liverpool back to their best again. And they're going to be back up there challenging City for this. Season. Oh, well, and, and obviously you've got the mix of Chelsea being up there as well, who, again, you know, they can't match the goal scoring efforts of Liverpool this season. It, it's just it's just a joy to watch Liverpool scoring goals like that, isn't it? Because they're just just so fluid. You know, use their wing backs so uh, so well, uh, and and use them to their advantage. And you know, just the way they're set up, they play. You know, they're they're, they're back to playing. I think a lot, a lot is to do with the, the you know return of Virgil Van Dijk. They missed him hugely last season, mm. and and it sounds maybe it sounds a bit crazy um, to say that you know you could you could they you know a team like Liverpool can miss a player. Uh, as much as they did, you know, surely, you know, they could spend money and replace him and, and get somebody in. But I think that just goes to show how much of a huge influence he is at the back. You know, he, he organizes that back line. He provides, he provides the confidence at the back to allow the rest of the team to go forward and know that, uh, you know, if, if I are hit on the break, then, you know, they're, they're, they're more often than not, they're going to be covered, you know, for, for what, and it's not just the one player, but, I think he's such a huge influence at, at, uh, at Liverpool that you know him being back in that side in the, in, in the centre of defence just gives the rest of the side so much more confidence. So I think that's something to do with it as well. Yeah, it's absolutely fair. And as you said, this this is the formula that led them to the title. Uh, don't concede mm. goals and score a lot of goals. I'm sure there's more <laughs> nuance to it than that, but that's kind of how it winds up at the end of the day. So uh, yeah. Liverpool definitely uh, performing better now. Those three players in particular, like we mentioned, not a huge shock that they're doing it. Uh, but at Crystal Palace, who are the players that are already leading you in shots on target or, or goals? And who do you think will end up there come the end of the year? Oh, good question. Good question. Um, I mean, this season is very refreshing for Palace uh, Palace fans, you know, watching Palace players. We know uh, much more attack minded and got the caliber of players in to actually, uh, you know, to actually have the shots on goal. I mean, Conor Gallagher has been an absolute, you know, a brilliant addition to the side this season. Mm. There's no qualm. There's no qualms about us keeping him after this season's loan because Chelsea, you know, they'd be just they'd just be stupid to let him go um, for any for any money. He's just that 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 good. I think the only chink in the armour is the fact that if they can't guarantee him first team football now that he's uh, made his first England cap, you know, maybe just maybe you know we could uh, pitch in a a value, but I can't see it. He's going to be a He's going to be a star. He really is, if not already. And you know, already he's uh, he's he's up there with uh, shots on target. He's a very attack-minded player. Loves a shot on goal. So I think he'll be up there in terms of um, both goal scoring and shots on target. Um, Benteke again. Um, he started the season well. Got got uh, his share of the goals already, and also you know efforts on 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 target as well. Um, Again, it's it's such a new thing for us that I can be saying a few names rather than just one. Um, Odson Edouard as well. You know, he's so good on it with his feet. And, you know, I think him, you've got four players there. You've got Gallagher, you've got Wilf, who will always be up there with, you know, shots on target and goals and also Benteke and uh, Edouard. So we've got four players there that, yeah, could be up there in, in both those categories coming into the season. Um, and I, I, to be honest, I couldn't pick one of them, uh, you know, really. Um you know, if I was pushed, I'd probably say Gallagher and Benteke would be up, up and around there. But again, if Edouard gets a run of games and um, and uh, starts scoring goals again, then you know it's going to it's going to be interesting between the four of them. It's gonna, it's an interesting competition, and uh, like I say, I'm not used to it as a Palace fan. <laughs> you know, it's normally just like, oh, I, I'd, I'd struggle to name somebody that would be up there, or just you know the one striker. But uh, we we've got a few this year, which is uh, which is so refreshing. Yeah, I was going to ask you where you think your highest person will end up, but if they're all splitting the share, it's mm. probably unlikely that you'll end up with somebody in the top 10 in the league. But very good for you as a team to not, you know, it's not just Zaha, you know, as exactly. in past years yeah. it could have been. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. At the other end of the pitch, I wanted to ask you, obviously the Joachim Anderson blow is a is a tough one because it seemed like him and Gehi. Ooh, I never mm. get his name right. Um, no, it's Bob. It's Bob. Oh, then I do always get it right and I nailed it. <laughs> um, <laughs> they seem to be like this really good pairing for the future. Obviously, you let go some of your... Uh, kind of traditional names there at the back. Uh, well, really everywhere throughout your side, but <laughs> the, the the back was where some of that happened as well. Uh, obviously the injury, um, I'm not personally sure what the severity is. Feel free to enlighten us on that as we go. But uh, what do you think the options will be short-term either in the squad or do you think maybe you'll change up how you play with his absence? Oh, it's a tough one to take. Uh, it's a hamstring injury. He's going for more checks tomorrow, so we'll know more um at some stage tomorrow Ho- hopefully it's not going to be lengthy but it it's it'll be a real blow because we're already missing James MacArthur who has had a brilliant start to the season and yesterday against Villa and also last week against Burnley we really missed James MacArthur in the midfield if we lose Anderson as well that's just a, a double blow because he like you mentioned he's played very well next to Gay they've been brought in in the summer and again you know it's they're too very different centre-backs to what we're used to at Palace. You know, these are two ball-playing centre-backs. I mean, if you look at the Premier League stats, they are both up there in the top five or six in touches and passes. Palace never have that stat. We ne- we have never had a player within touching, touching distance of the top 20 of those stats, let alone, you know, the top you know, top six or seven. So both of those players just proving what they bring to the side. Yep, they've made a couple of mistakes which have led to goals this season, but I think when you're playing the way that we're playing this season, that's going to happen. You know, there's going to be mistakes, you know, short passes, that kind of stuff. On a, Yeah, that, that's going to happen. But, yeah, they've played so well together. They've formed a really good partnership together, uh, a young partnership as well. Um, and I think Gay, I mean, Tompkins came in for, uh, for Anderson yesterday, but it, you're talking a very different partnership there. You know, Tompkins is a is a very good centre back in his own right, but he's a no nonsense centre back. You know, he's not a ball playing centre back like Anderson. Anderson could rake a pass 40, 50 yards from you know diagonally across the pitch, which he which he's done on several occasions so far this season with with every confidence. And nine times out of ten, he hits that player spot on. He knows exactly where it's going, pings it out to Wilf out out, out wide, and that just relieves the pressure straight away and puts us on the attack. So we've missed that. We missed that yesterday, uh, for sure. And yeah, I'm I'm dreading us missing him for any longer because, like I say, we're already missing James MacArthur, who's going to be out for six, seven weeks with a hamstring tear. We're just hoping that Anderson isn't going to be anything similar to that. But if it is, then you know Tompkins will be the guy that will step up like he did yesterday. He played well yesterday, to be fair. But like I say, we're talking a very, very different centre back. You know, him and Gay next to each other. Chalk and cheese, you know, gaze at ball ball playing centre back. Maybe maybe it'll work, you know, maybe it'll work. But uh yeah, I'm I'm just uh I'm just hoping that it's not it's not as serious um when we hear when we hear the results tomorrow really, because he's been he's been such a good good player for us this season, Anderson. Real real solid centre back and um has has been a big part of the success this season, really. I mean, before yesterday, we've been on an unbeaten run of what seven or eight games. We've been unbeaten at home this so far this season until the loss to Villa. Um, and I think, yeah, we missed Anderson. No disrespect to Tompkins, but we missed Anderson. We also missed MacArthur because we haven't really lost anybody this season through injury or suspension yet. So uh, these are the first two big misses for us. So, uh, so yeah, Vieira's going to have to adapt. He's going to have to find a way of, firstly, uh, replacing Jimmy Mack in the middle. Uh, we've got Will Hughes that they signed from Watford in the summer. I think he'd be the perfect replacement, but has yet to get make an appearance, make his debut for the club. And as for Anderson, it's probably going to be Tompkins at the back, and he'll have to form a, uh, a decent partnership uh, with Gay. Which you know, to be honest, yesterday they didn't really put a foot wrong. Um, one of the goals was from a set piece, which we've had trouble with all season, you know, with Anderson in the side anyway. So, you know, that needs to be addressed. But, um, yeah, it's a bit of a worry, to be honest, because, you know, we've had such a good season so far, just in terms of a really difficult start. So we've got points from from games that we weren't expecting to. 
and in the last, you know, yesterday and the week before, you know, having a couple of injuries, having a couple of players missing, you know, we we've not probably done ourselves a lot of justice really in those last couple of games. So, uh, and you know, it doesn't it, it doesn't slow up. We've got Leeds away on Tuesday night, so uh, suspect Anderson will be missing for that one, and that'll be a tough game because you know Leeds have been struggling lately as well. So, it doesn't get any easier, unfortunately. Um, and with players missing, that's when it starts to hit teams like us. I mean, you only got to look at Leeds. You know, they've been missing players all season, and, and uh, you know they've been stuck because of that so um so it happens to teams like us for sure happens to the big teams i know but uh you know there's often another 70 million pound player they can bring off the bench aren't they so it's a little bit different <laughs> a little bit different yeah when it comes to that winter period in the mm. in the fixture rotation um i wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh how you're lining up. So we talked a few weeks ago about how there's kind of been this resurgence in using a back three in the Premier League. Mm. And that the more that people use it, the more other people use it because the best way to counter it is by using the same formation back. <laughs> and then the Premier League re-added Conte. So we'll probably see some of it. But it seems like Vieira has pretty rigidly stuck to not just four at the back, but a 4-3-3. Although yeah. I think it was more of a 4-2-3-1 maybe yesterday uh, against Villa, but I was just curious how that formation's working. And, and now that he's been in the job a while, what have you made of Vieira uh, as a manager, either off the touchline or on it? Vieira has been excellent. He, he's been, he's been a breath of fresh air for us. You know, we, we had a period of stability under Roy Hodgson, which, you know, no secret, um, that some of the football wasn't great under Roy, but you knew what you're going to get. You know, we were never in any trouble under Roy. And that's obviously, you are into a brave new world now with Vieira coming into the club. Uh, doesn't have a huge, a huge lot of experience manager wise but you know he's got a lot of premier league experience from his time at arsenal he's he's played and coached under some of the best coaches you know around so this guy well I, this guy has proved that he's learned from those people you know yesterday was a bit of a blip i think and uh, you know vieira is going to we're going to he's going to come into a tough period now where he's got to actually you know readjust and and rethink some of the strategies and tactics and that kind of thing but it's it, it it's been really enjoyed watching Palace this season. Um, I and I'm not going to deny that I've enjoyed results from Palace in the past, but actually enjoying games of football has been probably mm. the highlight this season. And that that <laughs> that's that that almost sounds disrespectful to managers that we've had in the past. But under Roy, we had some really good results. Um, we ground out some results. We were never in in trouble. We were never really near the bottom three at any point in his in his reign. But actually, some of the football was a little bit difficult to watch you know not so much entertaining you know we score goals every now and again but there's a lot of frustration there but you're going to get a frustration under any manager um you know Vieira's cutting his teeth in the Premier League but I think he started very well we had a really tough start to the season uh and before the Villa game yesterday we only we only actually lost to Chelsea and Liverpool in in uh and, and you know the first game of the season was away at Chelsea a team that had just won the uh, Champions League at the end of the season before so you know, an away game at the European Champions, Champions as a new manager is always going to be tough. Uh, Liverpool, yeah, we've seen what they can do this season. But, you know, we, we've we've held our own in every other game this season and, and, and have done well. Um, obviously, the last two games, we haven't done ourselves justice because um, the performances haven't been particularly great. But to be honest, at Burnley, you know, you score three goals away from home, you'd expect to probably win the game. Uh, but, you know, you, you didn't lose. So, But I think one of the best things about Vieira is, I mean, yesterday... We lost to Villa. We weren't great yesterday. That's probably our worst performance of the season. Yeah, he made changes during the game. He 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 subbed Wilf off, which I think is a huge thing. Uh, Wilf wasn't having a great game yesterday, so he subbed him. There's not many managers I can remember at Palace that have ta- substituted Wilf in a game because generally he has been our only source of getting into a game or getting back into a game when we're losing. Uh, but Wilf was having a having a difficult game yesterday he wasn't up to up to standards so he had been booked so Vieira hooked him um and fair play you know if you're going to do that then you know there's no there's no one person at a club that's bigger than anybody else which which I like you know it's not just the Wilf show anymore at Palace yes Wilf's a great player you know he can turn it on like the best of them in games but actually he can't do it every game you know this guy is a really good player but he can't do it every game. He can't rely on us to do it every game. That's not fair. So now you've got the likes of Eze made his return yesterday after uh, an Achilles injury that's kept him out since. Uh, well, it's been a lot. Uh, we weren't expecting him back until January, uh, but he's made a, a, an excellent recovery and, and he made his return from the bench yesterday. Um, and you know he needs time to get his uh, get his foot in again. 
the likes of Elise, uh, Edouard, Benteke's back in form, scoring goals. You've got Oilers as Gallagher as well. You know, you've got other players in this side now that can do stuff. And and Vieira is making them, he, he he's he's making them play good football. You know, apart from yesterday, um, but he can't do it all the time. But you know, yesterday. At, uh, we were chasing the game. We had Lise, Eze, Gallagher and Edouard all on the pitch at the same time um, and, and Will for subs. So, you know, you've got no shortage of attacking talent there at Palace and it's 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 so refreshing. But obviously on the flip side, you've got to be careful uh, at the back as well. Um, yes, we lost yesterday. Uh, it was our worst performance of the season yesterday. But, you know, we go again and, and Vieira will probably learn from that yesterday, uh, losing that game against... The new manager bounce clearly <laughs> with Gerard <laughs> coming to Villa. Um, so yeah, Vieira's done a great job. I've been very impressed with him as a manager. He's he's come in, said all the right things after the game yesterday. You know, his frustrations were clear in in the post match press conference that he said that we just weren't good enough against Villa. You know, there's a lot of things we weren't doing right. We weren't moving the ball quick enough and everything. You know, he's not silly. He's not going to hide behind. You know, he's not going to. He's not going to say we're unlucky and things like that. He's going to call it out as it is, um, and that and that makes a fresh. I'm not saying Roy wasn't. Roy was a gentleman. He wouldn't criticise players to the press, and Vieira won't do that either. But Vieira's a very is fairly is different. You know, it sensed a lot of frustration in his voice yesterday, simply because you know we could have you know the way we've played so far this season, we could have we could have got the three points against Villa. I'm not saying Villa were poor; they weren't. But I think if we'd have played our normal game. Um, Yesterday, then, then we would have done. Um, there's no doubt about it. Missing Anderson and MacArthur, huge misses for us this season because they've both been excellent and, and played a massive part in where we are um, this part of the season. But hey, it's going to be interesting in the next few weeks heading into the, the Christmas period of games. It's it's tough. A couple of injuries we've got now, so we're going to have to manage that properly. And I'm intrigued to see how Vieira copes uh, with his first real, you know, two injuries coming in. He, he, he's got so much talent in his squad. You know, I mentioned the names already. Eze coming back in is just, you know, it's great to see Eze actually playing football in front of a crowd again because he never had that last season. You know, he had the whole season when he joined Palace uh, the summer before, uh, you know, not being able to play to a crowd. So that's the first time we've seen him step onto a pitch and that was probably the highlight yesterday, seeing uh, seeing the talent of Eze really. Uh, you know, while he didn't lie out of place, it was great to see him back playing football and obviously in front of a crowd, which is uh, which is the first time we've seen him play. So, so that was a real highlight. But yeah, um, I'm excited about this this Vieira appointment, and it's it's not just Vieira. His his appointments of his backroom staff are uh, shrewd um, and probably go under a radar a fair a fair chunk, to be quite honest with you. Um, you know, he's got a lot of support there in terms of his backroom staff. And it looks to me that, you know, they work very closely together and they'll do everything they can to get things right. Um, you know, this is a transition season. We know that. So, you know, staying up is 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 a be on end all in the Premier League. And what's, what's this? This is our ninth season in the Premier League, our, our club records. We never expected to be here at this point after we got promoted uh, back in 2012. So, yeah. It's exciting. It's exciting times. A little bit nerve-wracking because it is a new manager uh, with, without a huge amount of experience. But he's, hey, he's 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 proved. I mean, he's he's already um, you know built up some some credit in the bank for for some of the decisions that might not go his way. You know, in in, in future games. You know, some of the decisions he's made have been spot on. You know, we were chasing the game. Well, sorry, we were at three-three against Burnley last week. This this is a perfect example of how he approaches games. Is at three-three, was it fifteen minutes to go? He takes on our takes off a defensive midfielder, brings on a striker to try and win the game. I mean, you could say mm-hmm. that's dangerous. You could say that's dangerous, but you know that's refreshing. You know, he wants to win the game. You know, he he sees Burnley struggling, uh, puffing hard at the last fifteen minutes put on somebody that can run at them and uh, and try and win, win that game 4-3. Four, four, you know, why, why not? You know, that's just refreshing. You know, not sit back and take, yeah, we'll, we'll take the 3-3 three, three away from home. That's that's just something that's uh, that, that we've seen from Vieira as being, you know, quite satisfying. Um, but on the flip side, you know, we've lost a couple of games. We've, we've dropped points in games where we've conceded very late in games by perhaps making the wrong changes at the wrong time. So it's all a learning experience and it's, it's a still a lot of learning to do, but I'm excited by the appointment and uh, yeah, I, I think there's a lot more to come from Vieira. Yeah, we'll certainly watch his uh, career as it blossomed with interest and mm. yeah, it seems like this whole system is is largely working out for you. I don't think you're anywhere near the relegation conversation and I don't think you will be even after the tough winter period with with these injuries on the, 
on the docket there. But um, the other side of the coin is Milivojevic. So people remember mm. him from his stunning fantasy year a few <laughs> years back. But his role in your team has been really important. I don't think he had the best day yesterday. And he's only started half of your games thus far this season. How do you see his role in the team under Vieira? Uh, it's a bit raw at the moment because he was terrible yesterday. It was absolutely it was terrible. It wasn't. Um, I think a lot of fans have fallen out of love with Luca. Unfortunately, you know he's he had those couple of seasons where, yes, penalties. He was penalty taken. We got a lot of penalties, but free kicks as well. You know he was uh, he was banging in the goals. Unfortunately, I say unfortunately for him, we have a lot more talent in this squad, um, so he's had to take a back seat a lot. It's unfortunate that, you know, he had a period of COVID in the summer. Um, his father sadly passed away at the start of the season. So it's it's been very stop-start for him this season already. And that's probably seen him fall, fall behind a little bit. But yeah, he's starting games. Uh, he's been in and out of the side. He started uh, in place of MacArthur last week and this week, but didn't, didn't fill himself with any any glory yesterday at all. You know, he made a, he made a number of mistakes in the midfield, uh, almost cost us on a couple of occasions as well. And um, it, it's sad to hear fans getting on his back because he's been great for us in the centre midfield as our captain. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm afraid to say that I think you know he's, I think his days as a first first choice in this Palace side are probably numbered. You know we are a team still in transition. I suspect there'll be uh, some more incomings in January because Vieira still, you know, he had a difficult summer. Uh, he didn't join very early in the summer. So, and it's much publicised that we had so many players that are out of contract in the summer and left the club. So he did fantastically well getting in the players that we did, let's face it, um, to actually have a competitive squad for the season. But I, I'm pretty sure there's going to be another couple of additions in January. And certainly with a few more faces out of contract in January, uh, sorry, in the summer next year, there's going to be more new faces coming in as well. Um, and, and some of those faces, you know, going out of the club are probably on fairly chunky contracts as well. So, you know, it's going to be a similar summer next, uh, you know, next time around. So yeah, it's unfortunate because I think, you know, the fans do love a com combative midfielder. Um, but unfortunately, Luke has been struggling for whatever reason this season. You know, Jimmy Mack's been great. I mean, he's not getting any younger, but he, I think he's 34 now, but he's, he's been absolutely fantastic this season until he, tore his hamstring which is a real shame so he he was you know he was he was above uh luca in a pecking order and uh and and jimmy matt kind of kind of uh made a good foil with uh checker Carte in the middle but luca and uh, Carte just don't just don't complement each other in the middle unfortunately um and they struggle when they're both playing together so yeah i'm um, i mean like i say you know we don't have a lot of choice at the moment you know, in, in terms of whether Luca plays or not, but I suspect Will Hughes will be coming in sooner rather than later, whether it's at the expense of Luca or at the expense of Karate. I suspect it'll be Luca because he has such a stinker yesterday. And it's a shame, like I say, it's a shame to see because he's done such great things for Palace over the last few seasons. But uh, I suspect he'll be spending more time on the bench than he will be on the, on the pitch, I, I would have thought. Even with the injury to, to MacArthur? I... <laughs> It's difficult to say because we're still we're still learning about Vieira and 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 what his mm. views are, you know, who he likes, and and I think I suspect he's still finding his way in that respect as well. You know, he's clearly got his his players that he likes to use. He's, he's yet to use Will Hughes. Um, I think I'd like to see Will Hughes in the side um, because I think he's very similar to Jimmy Mack in that respect. He's a he's probably a better ball player than Jimmy Mack is, um, and I think that'd be quite that would be quite good in this side. You know, he's a diminutive midfielder who who, who will create more than probably Luca will. Uh, like I say, we're still learning about Vieira and who his favourites are and who he's going to use. But I think if we can take anything from the game yesterday, he took, uh, you know, he took off Wilf. Uh, he subbed Wilf with 20 minutes to go. Not many managers, I can't think of a manager that's done that other than, you know, for, for injury. You know, yesterday took Wilf off, and that was his that was his call. Ultimately, failed because we didn't get back into the game. You know, we lost the game in the end, and uh, and he took Luke off as well. So, you know, Vieira calls it as it is. If he sees somebody playing badly, then you know he'll hook them. So, uh, you know that that's a good thing. You know, it's not a bad thing at all. You know, he, the manager's the manager. That's 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 their decision. So, you know, the live or die 
by by that you know as a as a, as a manager particularly in the Premier League. So um, yeah, I, I think maybe it could be Lucas saving grace that Jimmy Max injured at the moment, but. I, I think it'll be sooner rather than later we'll see Will Hughes. We've also got Jeffrey Schlupp that can play in the middle, you know, a different kind of midfielder. Uh, but what we have learned from Vieira is that he does set up his sides to play certain teams, and that means personnel as well, you know. So, you know, that's probably why Luca's kind of missed some games, whereas others have come in and that kind of thing. So, uh, but obviously with Eze back as well, you know, Eze could, uh, you know, could play in the middle as, uh, uh, as, he, as he came on yesterday. Uh, that does make us fairly top heavy, you know, from a attacking perspective. But you know, so against some sides, it may it may be quite fruitful. But yeah, I fear for Luca. Unfortunately, um, he's been great for us. He's been a great goal scorer. But I think his his days may be numbered. Um, certainly from a first choice perspective. But like you say, his saving grace could be that Jimmy Max out injured at the moment. But um, mm. I think yeah, it'll be sooner rather than later we'll be seeing Will Hughes starting and, and see what he can do. Yeah, it'll certainly be interesting, especially after. Uh... Watford, you know, kind of let him go and replaced him with mm. Sissoko, which is an interesting, uh, <laughs> an interesting swap there. Mm. Um, we'll finish up by talking about your upcoming match. You're going to be traveling to face Leeds. You mentioned them a little bit earlier as a side that's also going to be struggling with injuries in this fixture, congestion mm. and everything like that mm. in this winter period. What do you make of that match? Yeah, interesting one. Leeds are struggling at the moment. Um, and obviously we've got a couple of injuries going into the game as well, but I'm I'm more interested to see how Palace react to that first loss in in some time. That's our first loss at home this season. Obviously, we're travelling away from home, so the pressure's on Leeds to get points, and they will certainly see us as a team that they can get points out of. Uh, as for Palace, I think we can play with a bit of freedom away from home. You know, attacking wise, hit them on the break, that kind of thing. But we do need to be solid at the back, um, and we do need to get better at set pieces because that is where most of our goals have come from this season, which is so frustrating. Um, because we have played well at the back, you know, but you know, you can have ball, your ball playing centre backs doing that all day. If you can't defend set pieces against teams like Leeds and Burnley last week, uh, and again against Villa yesterday, then yeah, you're always going to concede goals, and we just need to get better at that, unfortunately. So, yeah, let's um, let let's see. I think the big thing is. I suspect Anderson might be playing on Tuesday, so it's um, yeah, it's going to be a tough one. I suspect Tompkins would be. Uh, alongside Gay at the back. But I think, you know, we've got an opportunity to, you know, to, to bounce straight back from that defeat against Villa. You know, Leeds aren't in a good place at the moment. So, you know, I'm hopeful that we can take advantage of that, fingers crossed. We certainly have the talent. There's no lack of talent there to be able to do that. But obviously, you know, we needed to address that midfield position because, like I say, Luke had a shocker yesterday. Um, and I suspect he won't be starting on Tuesday. And then we go to Old Trafford on Saturday. So, you know, two away games that, um, you know, tough in their own right. There's no easy game in the Premier League. You know, I think there's a fallacy from from football fans that actually you should be beating some of these sides. But, you know, these sides want the points as much as everybody else does. So while we've been on a good run, you know, Palace are a, are a target for that because uh, these teams want to want to be the ones to stop us on the run like Villa did yesterday. And, you know, and, and Vieira is like a big news story now, isn't he, at Palace? You know, he's a big name in the Premier League, a uh, big name in world football, World Cup winner uh, for France. So... Yeah, we're we're a target because we're playing. We've been playing good football and we're attractive to watch. So, um, so yeah, that's not easy to uh, to deal with as well sometimes. Gotcha. Well, good luck in that one. That'll do it for us today. So, if you'd like to tell folks where they can find you, now's a good time. Yeah, sure. Uh, head on over to the Eagles Beak. There's always articles going up around uh, around matches and obviously opinion pieces as well, which uh, which get a lot of traction. So head on over to eaglesbeak.com. We're also all across social media, particularly on Twitter, at the Eagles Beak. So uh, come into with us. We like chatting to our opposition fans all the time as well. We uh, we just love our football, let's face it. Uh, and I'm also um, a producer and co-host of the Meridian Sports Show, which is a community radio sports show every Tuesday. You can get it online, but you can find, us, uh, find out about us all on social media. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the Meridian SS. Yeah, definitely check out the Eagles Beak. I used to write over there. It's a fun time. Did indeed. <laughs> it's a very fun time as well. So, yeah, be sure to check out all their content. Even if you're not a Palace fan, there'll be something for you over there, I'm sure. Uh, I'm Kevin DeVries. You can find me on Twitter at Kevroff. This is the EPL Roundtable. You can find it at EPL Roundtable. We like to keep things simple here. Uh, thanks to you so much, Jay, for joining us. Uh, Pleasure. Yeah, it was an absolute blast. And uh, well, we've been doing this eight-ish years now. It's still fun every time. So always enjoy chatting (laughs) before with you. But yeah, Jay, just 
absolutely a pleasure chatting to you as always. And folks at home, we hope you keep listening. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.